0: The sleeper in the bust. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open, file, a case shut. A short, stop, or stop short. Press play or press board. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all
1: to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the
0: dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? who's missing? The sleeper in the bust. The sleeper in the bust.
1: Hello out there in Fantasyland, and welcome to The Sleeper in the Bust, I'm Mike Podhorzer. And I'm joined today by Rotograph's contributor, David Weirs, who joins us for his second tour of duty on the podcast. And today we'll be discussing a pair of Mariners and talking American League outfielders. Now, David, true or false, in honor of National Pink Day, which I just learned about from your... Wrote a write-up this morning. And the clip that you posted in that article, Mean Girls is the best movie
0: in the history of the world. Agreed. Of course. So this would be true in your opinion? Uh, Best movie in the history of the world is Lofty Standards, but I feel like Mean Girls lives up to it. <laughs> I, I'm glad that of all
1: people I got on the cast today to ask this question, it was you, because I completely agree. <laughs> and I feel that this podcast is gonna go very well because we're already on the same page of course of course and i feel like it's not even an underrated classic because i feel like everybody that i know and i've talked to completely agrees that
0: it is the best movie of all time see for me that's a bit of a confirmation bias because if someone doesn't say that mean girls is the greatest movie ever i just cut them off out of my life we're done <laughs> <laughs> just get sure. out you please. have There's to door, delete my number we're done
1: you wonder what's going on in their minds if they don't believe that Mean Girls is a great movie.
0: and It's got to be something dark and sinister and I want no part of it whatsoever. Yes.
1: yeah. Totally agree. We w- we would not be friends with these people if they felt this way. Oh, right. Right, right. Alright, how about we talk about some baseball? I yes. mean, I guess. That, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> okay, so the most interesting player alive today was actually a funny and unexpected name. Muninori Kawasaki. And aside from providing fodder for not graphs with his hilarious interviews, is there anything that could provide uh, fantasy owners with value whatsoever? Or is he just a
0: guy, just like a a fun clubhouse guy? Is he any more than that? Well, if you play in a league that counts fun clubhouse guys, then yeah, absolutely. He'd probably be a second round pick. I mean, he'd, he'd be great there. Well, um, he actually got drafted in the not graph fantasy draft. Oh, drafted like was it like Patrick or someone.
1: He was drafted by uh Bradley Woodrum and I want to see at what number he was drafted. I don't I don't see an order in this post here. I just see a bunch of big letters.
0: Well, that's not graphs for you.
1: Big words. I'm confused by the this post and the formatting. Where oh, here he is. Yeah, I don't see where he was drafted. I don't see a draft order in this post. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to have to go complain to uh, Bradley here uh, about not giving us the full context of,
0: context of the draft here. Ugh, geez. Amateur hour.
1: I know. Seriously. Not grafters. You have to get your act together. Otherwise, you're going to lose your posting privileges. <laughs>
0: Which I feel like one of the prereqs to be able to post at Not Graphs is that they don't have everything together.
1: <laughs> so maybe he's which doing 20, all right after all. Yes, yes. Now, I mean, it's actually kind of weird timing that he's the most searched for player on Fangraphs. because Jose Reyes is coming back next week, which means that Kawasaki is going to have no job. I mean, he's not going to play. So right. I don't know why anybody's actually searching for him.
0: <laughs> well,. I believe that Kawasaki is the only guy that doesn't have quote-unquote options, you know? Or, or, or who does, excuse me. Because I believe that Bonifacio is out of options, and I don't know if the Jays would even consider sending down his tourists. So, with Lowry coming back, it's not like they can slide Minuri over to uh, third base either. So, it's kind of like, well, he had a fun run. He's a fan favorite. Apparently, Jays fans go nuts for this guy. <laughs> but... It's just kind of like, well, you're a shortstop who's a light-hitting shortstop. That, that's what you are. So back to AAA with you.
1: Oh, that's so sad. You know, if there was anything positive to say about his performance, his swinging strike rate is only 3.3%, mm-hmm. which, I mean, when he swings, he does not miss. Unfortunately, when he swings, nothing really happens with the ball.
0: <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. He hit his first home run yesterday, I believe. So Did he be now? Be... Maybe his that's ISO why is over 100. To... It's at 103.
1: That is probably the reason people are looking at his home run per fly ball ratio
0: and thinking 5.3%. This is a, a hidden power source. <laughs> well, I mean, it, he plays half his games in Rogers, so, you know, but he's left-handed. so, he so maybe, really a, get... maybe a full season can give you, uh, you know, four home runs and, and 15 steals. That's, that's not a complete zero. For for the record, I think if he got 650 plate appearances, he'd hit five home runs and 16 steals. I
1: I am sorry for underrating the power source that Kawasaki could potentially be.
0: I mean, he has enough power to, I don't know, power a small ceiling fan, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk some players that might actually have value in your fantasy league.
1: And uh, moving to Seattle, Nick Franklin has been quite the... Surprise, uh, in his rookie season, called up after Dustin Ackley was demoted, and he's been doing quite well. Four home runs already, three steals, even contributing in batting average, walking a lot as a good on-base percentage. He's contributing all over the place. Do you think this actually continues and provides, let's say, 12-team mixed-league owners with value all year?
0: Yeah, you know, I I don't know if I'm driving the Nick Franklin bandwagon the way I am with Andrew Kashner. But I'm a big Franklin fan. Um, he, he's he got a huge prospect pedigree. Like he's always He was in the top 100, I think, back-to-back years in 11 and 12. So to see him perform like this, it doesn't shock me. Now, I don't think he's going to continue posting a 151 weighted runs created or anything. But I think he'll have a decent OBP. He's flashing more power right away than I anticipated. And if he ends a year with 10 steals, that wouldn't shock me either. Um... I would say he's fringe eligible in standard 12-team mixed. But if you go to 14-team, then yeah, absolutely you should own him as your middle infielder, no doubt.
1: Yeah, I think the power is uh, a little bit fluky. He has never shown power like this in the minors. And obviously Seattle is a tough ballpark to hit home runs, so I don't think that power is really sustainable. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he's shown to have some speed, so I think over a full season he can get into double digits. And and, and once that power declines, I think his batting average... He's not going to be the, the positive in batting average he is right now. But if you're playing in an OBP league, I think he's going to continue to have good value in that category all year. He's always shown good walk rates in the minors. And actually, before he was called up, his walk percentage was nearly 17%. Right. So that does not seem like a fluke. And as long as he continues to hit and remain in the number two hole, he should have good or at least decent RBI and, and run score totals. So, yeah, I think – he, he might have a little value in 12-team mixed leagues, but deeper than that, definitely should continue to have positive value all year and even more value in, on base percentage leagues.
0: Right. Yeah, as you highlighted, he's, he's just sneaky good in OBP leagues. And I think it was your poll that asked people, do you play in OBP league? Was it, wasn't wonderful. that yours? Or? It was mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of Rotogrest readers were like, yeah, I play in OBP.
1: All right. Let's play a little Would You Rather. For the rest of the year... Would you take Nick Franklin or Josh Rutledge?
0: Uh, you know, I answered this the other day, and my feelings on this kind of float up and down because I'm not exactly positive. I'm going to say Franklin today, but if you ask me in two hours after comparing them both again, I might go with Rutledge. But for now, we'll stick with Franklin. I think if we knew that Rutledge
1: would stay up mm-hmm. and wouldn't necessarily hit seventh or eighth all year, I think I would take him over Franklin, but I think there's just too much risk because Tulowitzki is going to eventually come back. LeMahieu is doing fine enough that if Rulich doesn't start the hit, he's going to get demoted once again once Tulowitzki comes back. And still not sure where his walk rate is going to end up, so he might be at the bottom of the order the, the, the entire time that he's up. So I think I would take Franklin by a nose right now just given that he's hitting second. What about Neil Walker or Nick Franklin?
0: I gotta go with Walker on this one. Um he's a little more established. I think the offense in Pittsburgh is a little better than the offense in Seattle overall, at least for five by five counting sets. And I gotta give the edge to Frank, or uh, excuse me, the edge to Walker. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Neil Walker's actually off to a pretty slow start, only batting two forty five, only one steal right now, uh, five home runs. So he's somebody that seems more like uh a buy low guy if anything and i think nick franklin owners it, they would find it difficult if they will offer uh neil walker straight up for him i don't think they would make the switch but i think i agree i think neil walker is probably the safer choice just because i think that franklin is going to cool down and, and walker has more of a, a track record of, of better success than this at least right All right, let's move along to another Mariner, and this guy is a a lot more surprising than Nick Franklin.
0: Rolo Bañez, what is he, 50 years old at this point? Uh, I think he and Jamie Moyer used to hang out, so yeah, 50 sounds about right. He is 41
1: right now. He actually just turned, oh my god, he's 41? He turned 41 about three weeks ago. That's freaking crazy. (laughs) He's got 15 home runs and he's 41 years old.
0: Yeah, unbelievable.
1: Uh, his home run per fly ball ratio right now is 23%, which is a career high. And, but he keeps doing it. He actually has a career high fly ball rate. So even if his home run per fly ball does regress, which I'm sure it will, he still should be a source for power given his fly ball rate. But I, mean, what do fantasy leaguers do? I mean, is he 12 team mixed league material given the power
0: right now? I, he's, almost reinvented himself as, like, a poor man's Adam Dunn. Like, he's, like, Adam Dunn without the walk rate. So, interpret that value how you will, because Dunn is never going to hit anywhere near even the 240s, 230s that Ibanez is hitting right now. Isn't that sad that a good year from Adam Dunn,
1: his ceiling is batting 230?
0: Yeah, that's that's unreal. But he'll still post a decently good OBP just because his walk rate's sky high. Like, that guy, he's... Possibly my favorite person in the world. It's, it's awesome to watch. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, he's a close second. Apologies. <laughs> yeah,
1: that makes me feel a little better. You you, you may continue the podcast with me.
0: <laughs> but f- for Ibanez, twelve team mixed outfield's deep man. It's very deep, and as great as fifteen home runs is to see at this point in the season, the other numbers are just gonna hurt. Like his ratios are just gonna be horrible. I don't I don't know if you can roster him because, again, he won't hit as many home runs as done, but he'll have, you know, what, eight, ten points higher average? And in my 12-team league mixed, I, I'm not going to take him. I just can't. I think
1: what he's doing at the plate is very simple. He's closing his eyes and he's swinging as hard as he can. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, his fly ball rate, career high. Strikeout rate, career high. Walk rate, career low. I mean, that basically tells me That he's just swinging as hard as he can. He's 41. He he doesn't know what else to do. He's like, I guess he's thinking this is the only way he he can keep a job at his age Is just swing as hard as he can and uh, hope good things happen. You think think he's
0: just guessing on fastballs or even cheating on fastballs to catch up? He must Mm -hmm. be because, I mean,
1: right now his advanced metrics suggest that that's the approach that he's taking. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I can't imagine that that leads to continued success all year.
0: Right. Like, this is kind of a flash-in-the-pan type situation, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't expect a 41-year-old, especially in Seattle, posting a career-high home run per fly ball rate.
0: Well, Bonds did it as a 41-year-old in, you know, San Francisco. Bonds but...
1: had a little help. <laughs> Allegedly. You know, it, unw- or unwilling. Supposedly. Unknowing. That's it, yeah. yeah. So we've heard. Yes. Uh, but Abanez, I mean, obviously, OBP Leagues, he has a two seventy eight on base percentage and 15 home runs, but only 24 runs. That's a pathetic ratio there between well, runs and home runs.
0: His ISO is 25 points higher than his batting average, so <laughs> there's that. Like, oh, man. That might be my favorite rule, Ibanez stat right now. I'm just saying. Yeah. There are
1: a lot of crazy Abanez stats right now. Mm-hmm. Uh the least of which is that he's doing this as a forty-one-year-old. I mean, they also have several other options that, although they keep on getting their uh, outfielders hurt or their DH is demoted, and so basically, well, Justin Smoke is back also, and that could eventually hurt Ibanez's playing time just because
0: uh, is Ibanez playing the outfield now? I, I don't even. No, no, no. He can't be. Well, because Franklin Gutierrez is back as well, right? That's but isn't isn't Smoke
1: playing first base and then Kendrick Morales, isn't he playing DH? Um
0: wow, is Ibanez oh man if Ibanez is playing Yeah, I think Ibanez is playing left field. Oh, oh, oh I'm Mariners fans. I'm so sorry. <laughs> let me let me
1: see where he was actually playing yesterday, because I feel like that could be the beginning of the it's
0: starts in left field. Yep, Ibanez has. Wow.
1: Yeah, with Smoke back, uh, let me check the box score right now. Uh, Abanez, left field. Yeah. It's wow. funny how they went from such a good defensive outfield in previous years to, ah, <laughs> screw defense. We don't need it.
0: <laughs> well, they want to hit dingers, so they got Morse, and now they re-signed Ibanez, and, ah, oh, jeez.
1: Yeah, so I think that's a real risk to playing time now that they got a little healthier, because Abanez, obviously, uh, his days in the outfield, uh, he's got... <laughs> He has a minus 35 UZR 150 <clears throat> right now in left field.
0: <laughs> minus 35. Through <laughs> not even 40 games. <laughs> that is hilariously bad. I mean, that's like Ryan and Braun at third base bad. Yeah. Like,
1: that's just. So, weird. I mean, if he doesn't keep on hitting home runs, because that's literally all he's doing right now, he's going to start losing playing time. So, uh, I mean, if somebody's willing to buy high, if somebody's in need, desperate need of Home runs in an AL only league, and you own Ibanez, please sell high on him if yeah. there is such a thing. <laughs> and don't pick him up in a shallower league than that.
0: I was just like, like w- what would selling high on Ibanez equate to? Anybody like with a reliever that I would trade for Ibanez? <laughs> like, maybe Sean Marshall because he's hurt right now? Maybe? No, but it would have to be an AL only league because. Nobody, oh, right, right, right. Nobody's buying high on Ibanez in something shallower than that. Maybe Drew like Bando because he's hurt. Maybe How about Drew Smiley. Yeah. Ah. No way. I would much rather have Drew Smiley than Ibanez. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe somebody who's desperate need of home runs has Drew Smiley and wants and thinks of Drew Smiley as just some middle reliever. Oof. So there is your suggested trade of the day on the sleeper on the bust. Roll Ibanez for Drew Smiley. A only. That's right. All right. Speaking of trades, we are in an new league together. And guess who is running away with the league? Yes, that's me. (laughs) Uh,
0: Fear not, fear not, dear listeners, for I am leading the rally against the evil, evil dictator known as Podhorser. Now, what was it, probably a 300-word email? and trying to rally the troops?
1: Now, I have actually um, some advice for you. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you weren't starting Cliff Pennington in second base, you wouldn't be in last place.
0: (laughs) Well, I have Zobris going elsewhere, and I have Ackley, and then now I just have Franklin as well. So that's finally going to change. Like, Franklin, I was sitting and watching him perform in AAA all year, and I'm like, okay, pretty tired of Cliff Pennington in my middle infield. Come on, Nick Franklin. So now that he's here, maybe the ship will right itself. We'll see.
1: Okay. So you've actually declared that you're going to be dumping for this year, and you want some cheap keepers for next year.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. You Which have I must say, going coming out of the draft, I thought my team looked good. I had Trout, Bautista, Wright, Hamels, Zobrist, and then I had Weaver and Dickey, and that's kind of began the downhills just tumble. Oh, and Lincecum.
1: Yeah, your whole pitching staff has been one whopping disappointment.
0: Yes. Thanks. I didn't know that.
1: Thank mm-hmm. you. Considering Trevor Cahill has been your best pitcher, that's not that's not a good thing.
0: I got him for a dollar, so hey. I was up on that for... one. He's your best keeper.
1: <laughs> so anyway, so you've declared that you're dumping and uh, in an effort basically to ensure I don't come in first place, but I, I don't think that's going to be successful. So <laughs> we all know since you've shared with us many a time, whether on the podcast we've mentioned it or uh, in your columns, that you have a man crush on Andrew Kashner. I do. And uh, I own him for $3, an absolute bargain.
0: It is a very good price for my boy Kashner. No uh, I offered him to you
1: for Cole Hamels, who <clears throat> I believe is uh, – you got him for 20 and change. Basically, he's not keeper material given okay. what he's done so far and given his price. So this would qualify for a typical dump trade. I'm giving you uh, a potential good keeper for an overpriced pitcher who is not going to provide any value for you this year unless you can trade him for somebody better than Andrew Kashner. <laughs> so you want them to talk about the trade. And uh, and Cole Hamels, and if there's any chance that he turns things around.
0: Uh, well, the trade is hard to look at in a vacuum because I'm discussing with other members of Fangraph Staff Three who are probably offering you worse pitchers than Cole Ham uh than Andrew Kashner. <laughs> there's no one on this earth that I would rather have on my fantasy team than Andrew Kashner. That's <laughs> total hyperbole, but for the moment we'll run with it. Except so- except. Except for Banyas, right? No,
1: except as an A C C E P T. Except the trade. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm 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 shopping Hamels elsewhere. Like he's in my shopping cart right now, and I'm not sure if I'm gonna put him back on the shelf or if I'm gonna go and purchase the lane from the other cashier, not from your lane, if you know what I mean. You know?
1: Wow. Look at these uh, metaphors. No, these aren't metaphors. These are. I don't know what they are. You're smarter than me, so you're, you're better with words and vocabulary. So <laughs> you, you can describe what you're saying better than I can.
0: Uh, I'm trying to evoke a mental image of the trade process. Okay. I'll draw a parallel between the shopping experience. <laughs> pretty accurate. Hey. So, I mean, Cole Hamels, are you willing to trade him because
1: you don't think he's going to turn around or just because he's probably not a keeper at his price? I mean... What do Hamill's owners do right now if they own him?
0: Um, well, what's I. What's that? Is that so, a boat going by? What's no, that was my phone that it just vibrated. Oh, it sounded like you were outside and a tugboat <laughs> was gonna be going by. <laughs> no, no. See, I read a I read a rotograph, so I don't go outside. Like that's oh, kind of, of course of, it goes. Fancy.
1: Just, you stay in your mother's basement all day.
0: <laughs> Literally, if, if, I mean, if that's allowed, you know. That's completely um, accessible. Speaking as a Hamels owner, what I've been doing is drinking a lot of craft beers <laughs> and kind of silently weeping in the shower, I would say. Not like sobbing, but so sad. a couple tears. And then I realized that I paid $28 for him in know. And yeah, that, that, that's about it. I'll get choked up if I talk about it anymore.
1: Well, Cole Hamels is in my shopping cart as well. And I keep trying to check out, but I keep on getting rejected.
0: <laughs> like he's trying to float you the loan but he wrote you a check that bounced so it's yes. now like oh cool yeah <laughs>
1: exactly so i mean cole hamill's to me i think is one of the ultimate lows at this point in the season in his june his june xfip is 295 i mean he's completely right the ship he was you know he got off to a slow start in april his control wasn't what it used to be his walk rate was way up but since, he's been, you know, the Cole Hamels we've always known. I mean, in May, his control was back to normal. His strikeout percentage, though, was still down a bit. But June, his strikeout rate was back up again. He's striking out over a batter an inning. And his, his walk rate is also been, you know, normal. So yeah. I think Cole Hamels is completely fine. And uh, run support obviously has been a problem. But his ERA has not really reflected how well I think he's pitched.
0: Right. I mean, even for a season, his FIP is 377 and his XFIP is 366. Like, that compares pretty favorably with his career lines. Uh, His strikeout-to-walk ratio is above three again. So to to sell low on Hamels right now is a little iffy. So that's why I'm kind of extract the maximum value. But if the other deal falls through, then I'll be giving you a call and be like, Hey, Hamels, I know your thoughts on him now. You should put me a couple extra bucks now. Give me some cap room. All
1: you need. Andrew Kashner is like worth three starting pitchers and $50 all by himself.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, you know, three starters, a reliever, and $40. But,
1: okay. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Kashner takes care of all of that all by himself.
0: <laughs> he is starter and reliever eligible now that I think about it.
1: That's right. And you know what? He starts today. And so. After his perfect game, I might have to ask for more than just call Hamlet.
0: <laughs> I own him in a couple other leagues, uh one Yahoo, one ESPN, and every time he starts I'm just like, Okay, please justify me owning you. I I am like the fifteen percent at this point. Like and I'm gonna ride this baby out all season.
1: That's what I like to hear. Yeah. And you'll be able to ride him out all season in another league if you accept my trade. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I all right. I feel like you're using our legion of listeners to apply like peer pressure of sorts. Okay, yeah, I think that they should all
1: start tweeting at you, telling you how great of a deal that is that you cannot pass up.
0: <laughs> all right. If I get ten tweets, I'll accept the deal by the end of the day. How about that?
1: Ooh, that's a challenge. 10,
0: 10 tweets by midnight tonight.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna have to start tweeting to all my like 400 and change followers. You, know, <laughs> like, you probably have double, double the followers that I do, but I'm gonna all, have to tweet
0: to all I, of them. I have, like, 600 or so. I lose followers once I start talking about, like, StarCraft. I'm like, I should probably keep that under wraps a little bit. But (laughs) it's not like people should be shocked to follow me on Twitter and be like, my God, he talks about StarCraft, like, every other day. It's like, well, yeah, I'm South Korean. What, What do you want me to do? It's in my blood.
1: Speaking of which, you also
0: like My Little Pony.
1: And I'm pretty sure that when I post our podcast on Rotographs, I'm also going to be including your Skype avatar. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Go right ahead. Uh, you know, that thought crossed my mind. Most people's avatars on Skype are, like, themselves or something creative. And I'm like, man, these these are just kind of the same old, same old. So I'm like, I'm going to have fun with my Skype avatar. So why not? I agree. It brings me
1: joy every time I
0: look at it. Uh, there's uh, a picture that Colin Wires of uh, BP created for me in Photoshop. It's one of the My Little Ponies, and she's reading a book. But he photoshopped in a WPA chart of game oh, four of the ALDS last year, of the A's and Tigers. And it's probably the greatest picture known to man. That needs to be shared. Yeah, I, 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 I might have to post a link and do it sometime. Yes, please uh, do. Colin has a daughter that likes My Little Pony, so it's justified that he knows, you know, the main six and the background ponies, whereas I, I, I have no excuses. It's just a good show.
1: Okay, we've officially lost all of our podcast listeners.
0: <laughs> Click. Yep, you <laughs> correct.
1: All right, let's get back to more baseball. Uh, more closer turbulence, as always. Uh, in Boston, Koji Uehara was actually named the replacement for Andrew Bailey, which I think uh, shocked all of us except Paul Swyden who was telling all the bullpen guys and rotographs that it should be Junichi Tezawa who's going to be replacing Bailey. I told him no, you're wrong, and sure enough a day later it was Uehara who uh was named closer. Oh, I'm sorry, I screwed that up. Paul Swyden said that it would be Uehara. I said no, it would be Tezawa, and Swiden was right.
0: So the funniest part about that is when he replied to you with just drops the mic and I just started <laughs> dying laughing. That was fantastic, please me. What a guy. Yeah. So Uehara
1: Shocked all of us except him. And, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that Uihara's workload is monitored. I mean, he can't go multiple days in a row. So it really does surprise me. So what happens here? I mean, does Bailey get his job back? Does Tazawa maybe Andrew Miller, do they vulture, vulture some saves as well?
0: Uh, I think by the end of the season, Andrew Bailey will still have the most saves for the Red Sox. Like, of course, he has a bit of a lead right now over the other candidates. But... Like between he him and Uihara, Bailey's younger. They have similar strikeout rates. They have similar similar profiles, and that they're both very flyball oriented. And I just don't see Uihara holding it down for that long. Um, that's not a knock on Uihara at all. I think he's a very good pitcher. I mean, his strikeouts and his walk rates speak for themselves. But Uihara has a 1.20 home run per nine, and Bailey, for all the you know the, I guess pain that he's gotten has an elevated strikeout or an elevated home run rate, but his career rate is much, much lower. Granted some of that came in Oakland, but still I still think Bailey is arguably the better pitcher, but this year Uihara has been better to date. So to see him rewarded with the closers gig is something that I can't really argue for now.
1: So you do think that Andrew Bailey will get his closer role back at some point this season. Yes, I do. I mean the the concern right now with Bailey is that his velocity is down a bit. And he's coming back from a biceps injury. So
0: you wonder if he's fully healthy at this point. Um, he's always missed time here and there. I mean, even in his rookie of the year, the year that he missed a little bit of time. Uh, but for now, he's throwing his fastball more, and he's throwing his cutter a little, like, slightly more as well. So I think he's just, if he's just relying on those two pitches, and he doesn't really exert himself on the curve or anything like that, then I think he'll be healthy enough to go the distance. But it's one of those things like he's holding his health in like a glass jar with a bull running around the room. Like it's a very, very delicate situation for him. So I actually
1: talked about this with Eno. Uh, I think it was the last podcast. We were talking about pitchers who have seen a decline in velocity always seem to have elevated run fly ball rates, and that's a study I want to see. So it's not as simple as just – Looking at the correlation between velocity and home run per fly ball rate, I want to know the guys who lose velocity, do they see an increase in home run per fly ball rate? We've seen that with Dan Harron. We've yeah. seen that with uh, – I don't remember who we mentioned last week. But that's exactly what's happening with Andrew Bailey is that he's seen a slight loss in velocity and his home run rate is, is way up. So you wonder if that's related. And I don't know if he can really rebound if his velocity doesn't improve. So, again, you wonder if he's healthy and if uh, the more he gets away from the injury, maybe he'll get healthier. So I don't know. I I really don't know at this point if he's going to get his job back. Uh, He's giving up a ton of fly balls, and he does not have a good walk rate. Right. I mean, it's just a a deadly combination
0: at this point. Uh, But his swing and strike rate is still fine. His first strike rate is right in line with his career average. But I would say his command is off, but his control is off even more, if that makes sense. Like, he's not hitting his spots, and he's missing the zone a little too much. Just a little much.
1: Yeah, so I'm really not sure about the situation. I don't think Guihara is going to rack up a ton of saves just because he, he can't go uh, pitch multiple outings in a row. So I think Tazawa and Andrew Miller, especially in AL only leagues, are worth owning because I think they're going to pick up a save here and there. And I'm not too confident that Andrew Bailey is going to get his job back anytime soon until he shows better velocity.
0: Out of curiosity now, because I think it'll be Bailey, but who do you think will have the most saves come the end of the year for the Red Sox? Well, Andrew Bailey right now is eight
1: saves. Mm-hmm. Whew. That's a good question. I think that, yeah, you know what? Given the lead as well, I think probably Bailey – but I think from here on out, it'll probably be Uihara. OK. But I think it's going to be spread between several Red Sox relievers. And if Bailey does get his job back, it won't be until, let's say, late July, maybe early August or something.
0: OK.
1: But I don't know. This is a tough one because I think the Red Sox have a lot of good arms in their pen. <laughs> so he's got competition.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it's not an open and shut case by any means.
1: No, absolutely not. All right, let's move along to another weird closer situation in Detroit. Jose Valverde, finally the team got rid of him as – that doesn't surprise anybody. And finally they're naming Joaquin Benoit as a closer, and they've been hesitant to do that. Do you think that Benoit finishes the year as the Tigers' closer?
0: Um. The way I read it is that, like, Leland called him the closer when he's available. <laughs> so, uh, so like, he that said, I'm hesitant to name him the closer because he'll throw a couple games and then another guy will get the third save in a series. And then he'll throw a couple games and then the other guy will get the next save chance. So I think that if he's available, then Benoit's the closer. So, yes, I think he'll he'll end the season in the closer, except not in name as closer, if that makes sense. Like, he'll be the guy racking up saves, but from a nomenclature standpoint, you know, Leland might be hesitant to actually name him the actual closer, which doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, Benoit's the guy to own in Detroit, if that's what people are looking for.
1: So he's kind of like the Koji Uihara of Detroit, because he's another guy. When available, he'll be closing.
0: Yeah, so that, the, yeah the that's vote. the way to do it. mm mm-hmm.
1: I actually think that Benoit will not finish as the Tigers' closer because I think that they are going to go out and trade for a closer.
0: Hmm.
1: They clearly are not too confident in Joaquin Benoit as their full-time closer. They've been hesitant in the past <clears throat> to name him. They still are not naming him. And obviously, this is a team that's probably the best team in the AL Central so I just can't imagine them going all season with Benoit as their closer. I think they clearly want an established closer. and I mean, that's why they went with Valverde to begin with, why they brought him back. So I would be really surprised if at the trade deadline they didn't acquire an established name, maybe a Rafael Betancourt, uh, maybe a Houston Street, even though Joaquin Benoit is actually better than Houston Street.
0: Uh, I would look, think – if anyone, it would be Francisco Rodriguez because Henderson's back and Axford's pitched not as horribly. So, I mean, Rodriguez should be available and it's not like, you know... (laughs) I'm sorry, Brewers fans, but it's not like the Brewers are going to make a run this year. Yeah, that's another good name, which is funny
1: because whoever they end up choosing to acquire is probably a worse pitcher than Joaquin Benoit. Right. So I would be surprised if they didn't acquire somebody at the trade deadline. And mm-hmm. even though Benoit right now should have pretty good value, because he's a very good pitcher, I don't think it's gonna last that long.
0: That's fair, yeah, that makes sense. All right, so you are our
1: AL outfielder correspondent, so give us one outfielder that you're buying right now.
0: Uh, in every league possible, I am picking up and trading for, well, actually not, I'm trading for Alex Rios. Ooh. Um,
1: which That's is an unexpected someone, name to be trading for right now.
0: Yeah. It's it's someone who I've had very strong negative feelings and very strong positive feelings for. Just because I'll own him one year, he'll burn me. That I'll go out next year and come out like gangbusters. That I'll draft him, and he'll burn me. And then I'll, I'll let him go, and he comes out again on fire. So this year, with the White Sox basically ready to trade away their team and rebuild, I know Rios still has some money on his contract, but I'm going to buy Rios in as many places as possible because I think this year he'll go 20 and 20 again like he did last year and if he goes to the right contender and gets the right amount of playing time in the right park I think he'd have another very very good season like right now Rios is hitting 280 he's got 12 steals 11 home runs 40 runs and 34 (laughs) RPIs and that's for a really really bad White Sox team so put him on you know maybe the Rangers they don't really need an outfielder right now but I'm just saying an example. And just imagine the type of numbers that Rios could do in the right environment. So yeah. I'd be grabbing him in as many areas as possible.
1: Yeah, moving to a better offense would certainly help his runs and RBIs, but not necessarily his home runs, just because uh, Comis- Wait, What is it, Comiskey? U.S. Cellular. Now. I don't even remember the names of these uh, sponsorships anymore. But, uh, <laughs> U.S. Cellular is a big home run park, so sure. if he moves to a more pitcher-friendly park, then that might hurt his home run total slightly, especially because he's never been a big home run per fly ball guy. So Mm -hmm. if that drops, his his power might be uh, affected a bit. But he is – I think he's actually a good by-low guy just because if you look at his monthly splits, he hit six home runs in April and Mm -hmm. only five since. So I feel like owners might be getting a little frustrated that he hasn't really hit well uh, in a while. And I think a lot of people were uh, not really believing him to repeat last year to begin with. Right. So he's the type of guy whose perceived value at this point might be lower than what he could produce the rest of the way.
0: Yep. And then I've gotten him for, I wouldn't say great prices, but for decent amounts. The leagues that I'm in are kind of weird settings, so it's hard to evaluate them. But I'm very happy with what I was able to get Rios on.
1: And guess who owns Alex Rios in Adenu?
0: Add in on the Cashner deal. Let's make Wait, this happen.
1: Yeah, let's see. How much did I even get? I don't even know how much he uh, was that I purchased him for. Let me see how much he cost me. He went for 14 bucks, which actually was undervalued.
0: I was going to say, that sounds about right, because a lot of people are like, well, he, he's burned people before. Like I was very adamant. I'm like, look, I'm not going to own Rios. Not again. Like <laughs> That's why, uh, yeah. No, yeah. but wait, what is it? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, then I just quit fantasy altogether.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, is that most people thought last year was a fluke, and so they just weren't willing to spend the money on Rios, which is why he was probably undervalued in a lot of leagues.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, how about an outfielder in the American League that you're selling?
0: Uh, right now, this is going to sound weird because I'm an A's fan, but I would be ready to sell high in Cocoa Crisp. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that
1: most of the reason here is just given his injury history.
0: Um, it's a collection of his injury history. The fact that he's hitting, you know, 285, which I don't foresee that happening much longer. Uh, he's got a great OBP, but he's never walked this much before. Like, not at least since, you know, a brief stint in 2009. So the OBP leagues that I'm playing in, I'm looking to sell high on him. And uh, his has, home runs have been great. Yeah, those no are always going to be good. But I think I can get more value for his name and what he's done this year now than I ever will be able to later on down the road.
1: Now, as an A's fan, h- how come he only has 13 steals? I mean, he hasn't had any leg injuries that would explain it. So, mm-hmm. any idea why his steals are down, or is it just because he's old? I mean, he's, well, he's not really that old. He's 33. Yep.
0: Yeah, 33. Mm hmm. Uh, there's no real explanation. He has the green light to go whenever he wants to, but the A's offense has actually been good enough that they don't really need him to steal to be a catalyst on offense. As you know, as lovely as it sounds, like steals are now kind of a secondary value for him.
1: What's interesting about Crisp, in my home league, I am last place in steals, so I'm desperate. And, and he's a guy identified based on his owner's needs and my needs, he would make a good trade partner. Mm -hmm. But I feel like he's not a good guy to try to acquire just because it would cost too much given his start. And as you've mentioned all the points, he's just too much of a risk for regression or injury that he's just not a good guy to try to trade for to boost my steals total because I just have to give
0: up too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if if you're hurting for steals, I mean, Crisp will get you those, but... I mean, he played 120 games last year, 136 games the year before that, and 75 in 2010. So there's just a huge injury risk for him. And the power that he's shown this year, his ISO is 60 points above his career norm. So there's just a lot of things that I'm like, look, I love Crisp and I love the A's, but I got to get value where I can. Let's be objective here. So I'll start swinging deals for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you get a guy that's so injury prone, that's actually performing and is healthy, Mm -hmm. then I feel like... There's really no upside here. It's all downside. So the right way to go to minimize risk is to try to trade him for value now for a guy who probably is going to stay healthy, whereas Crisp, you never know. Exactly. I completely agree, and we remain on the
0: same page. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's groupthink and, you you know, the dark overlord has gotten to us or if it's just great minds think alike. I think I just want to stay on your good side so you accept my trade. <laughs> also a very prudent move by Team Podhorzer. That's right.
1: Always full of those prudent moves.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. Well,
1: that's going to do it for us today. So join us again on Tuesday for more fantasy fun on The Sleeper and the Bust. For David Weir's uh, Mike Podhorzer, thanks for tuning in.